All right. So me and Alex are talking about how, you know, just like anybody else these days, a lot of musicians are entrepreneurs too. And we've got musicians out here uh, making everything from liquors to video game systems to smartwatches to charter schools and now their own cities. Uh, since this week, Akon just announced that he's making Akon City in Senegal. So we're kind of thinking we should um, just explore the world of musician entrepreneurship for a little while here. No one's better at growing a business than a retired musician, other than maybe a retired football player. Yeah, like what is music other than a business, you know? You're selling a product. There are a lot of food products by musicians. There's Joe Perry's Hot Sauce. That's a good product. I suggest looking up the label. There's a uh, press release about it. Considering the number of blues-based riffs that drive so many Aerosmith songs, and even the country elements that creep in every now and then, it's not all that surprising that the band members' affection for Southern culture extends deeply into the region's often spicy cuisine. <laughs> God. Guitarist Joe Perry says that for years now, the band has taken boxes of hot sauce on the road, noting that it even maintains a short list of key barbecue restaurants across the U.S. It's like Hillary Clinton here pulling the hot sauce out of her purse for credibility. It is that same thing. and The, the picture in this article is Joe Perry uh, stirring a vat of hot sauce that's steaming with a Les Paul. <laughs> Wait, he's using the Les Paul to stir it? I assume this is a Photoshop. There's a lot of uh, flavors coming off the... It's got a maple neck, and you're getting the flavors of that in there. On a scale of 1 to 10, Perry says the heat of his sauce is probably a 4 or a 5. Damn, man, that's that's, <laughs> that's cool. crazy. He really appreciates uh, the southern cuisine based around spiciness, huh? That's crazy, man. With a laugh, he says that creating his Boneyard Brew has given him a chance to dispel the idea that since he kicked drugs and alcohol, this former half of the Toxic Twins eats nothing but health food. I mean, I like healthy food, but I usually have a steak three or four times a week, and one of my favorite things is to put the sauce on as a hamburger. Cool. <laughs> That's so weird when rock stars, like, spend their 20s and 30s, like, having their career upended by doing drugs and alcohol. And then they're like 55 years old and it's like, I'm not going to do drugs and drink anymore. Well, why not? Why not do it now? I, no one's asking for you to work. Yeah. There's no better time than now. Like back in the day you were shooting up heroin and like getting blackout drunk every night when you were expected to go to Madison square garden and perform for a hundred thousand people. Yeah. And now you don't you have shit to do. Part. Yeah, now you don't have shit to do, and it's like, I'm only going to eat salads. Like, who cares, man? Just fucking die. <laughs> You're like 75 years old. Just just have a good time, brother. Who cares? I'm very curious. It'd be interesting to try that hot sauce. I mean, if he rates it a 4 out of 10 heat himself, it's got to be, like, extremely mild, right? Probably, I'm imagining yeah. Here, like, Sammy Hagar has that tequila with Guy Fieri. I'm imagining that Guy Fieri is the only guy who would try Joe Perry's hot sauce and just be like, oh my God, phenomenal, dude. I don't know why you would want mild hot sauce, really. Like, you're only putting in a few drops. So, like, just put less of... Just have it all the way at 10. 
and then put less of it in. Yeah, the font is almost Im- impossible to read on the label, but I think it's a mango pear uh, hot sauce, which, yeah, I don't know, man. It's like purposely getting weaker vodka so you don't put, just put as much in. Just put yeah, pour it, less in. The mango pear, four out of ten hot sauce, sounds like um, a Smirnoff flavor or something. Speaking of rock star liquors, Sammy Hagar and Guy Fieri have launched a new tequila in collaboration with Maroon 5 frontman Adam Levine. Oh, damn, I didn't realize he was in on it. That's great. And there's a guy who knows how to party, who knows that when you're a 70-year-old former rock star, uh, you don't really need to eat health food now. You might as well just sit in a cabana and drink tequila, because who gives a shit? Yeah, they got it figured out better than Joe Perry. Sammy Hagar owns, like, half of Mexico or something. I think he's the president of Mexico now. <laughs> Let's see. He's not the first uh, musician to make his own tequila, though. Justin Timberlake has 901 tequila. Toby Keith has Wild Shot Mezcal. Oh, yeah. Meredith, we were looking Meredith at a Madison list of absinthe. musicians who have their own alcohol brands. And Fergie has a line of wines called Ferguson Crest. Yeah, it's really good because, like, all the wines are just the normal type. Like, she has, like, a Cabernet and a Syrah and whatever. And then she has a blend called the Fergalicious blend. Do people really want a blend of wine? She told DuJour magazine, people can hate my music and still love this wine. I'm not drinking that. Wait, Actually, I would drink it. Genuine? Genuine has adult chocolate milk. He doesn't have wine? Oh, yeah, it's chocolate it's, milk spiked with vodka. God, that's so cool. It's a very childlike thing to come up with. It's marketed under the slogan, Retaste Your Youth at 40 Proof. God. Vince Neil has a, a vodka and a tequila. Didn't he kill someone drunk driving? I have no idea. Let me confirm that. I'm pretty sure it was him. Legal oh. Troubles. He also Finish has a hard rock vineyards. band. Finnish hard rock band Hanoi Rocks was on their second American tour. Uh, Hanoi Rocks drummer and other members of the band visited Neil's home. After partying for hours, Neil and Razzle decided to take a trip to a local liquor store. Neil, who was drunk, lost control of the car and hit an oncoming vehicle. The two occupants of the other car were seriously injured and suffered brain damage, and Dingley was killed. Oh, geez, yeah, fuck this guy. So it, it It's pretty, like... I'm not saying they should throw him in jail now. I mean, it was a long time ago, but he at least should have the self-awareness to not be selling his own uh, brand yeah, of tequila and vodka. Things, yeah. And uh, I'm looking it up now, and he ha- he took part in a motorsport sc- motor career in 1992. Huh. Didn't place that well. But like of the two things you shouldn't do, after you've killed someone in a drunk driving accident is release your own brand of liquor and try to become a race car driver. Yeah. (laughs) Those are the two things you don't do. And he did them and respect to him for that. It's that rock and roll mentality. You know, he's just being a rebel. Yeah. No, uh, no consequences, no responsibility. Ooh, his restaurants in Cantina, um, be warned. The place doesn't have great Yelp reviews. Wait a minute. In April, in April 2016, Vince Neil was charged with misdemeanor battery for assaulting a woman outside the Aria Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. 
She approached Neil for an autograph when he pulled her to the ground by her hair before Nicolas Cage restrained him. <laughs> That's weird. He was just, yeah, he was just hanging out. Man, he was in jail for 15 days for killing that guy. Damn. Really? Jeez. Why he was, was it only that lawyer. long? Yeah, I, I don't know. So. It was the 80s. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Laissez-faire uh, drunk driving murder policy. So speaking of celebrities having uh, no scruples at all. Maybe we should start with Will I Am because uh, it's a little bit less like openly deceptive, but he still just makes this like onslaught of really shitty products where he seems to just be hopping on whatever is like the latest tech thing that's already been done and then just make his own really shitty version of it. Will like, I Am um, is pretty amazing. I have the Black Eyed Peas Wikipedia article open. And the featured picture is captioned, the Black Eyed Peas performing at a Walmart shareholders meeting in 2011. <laughs> Holy shit, that's so good. Which is like, that is a group of the most evil people on the planet. God, that's probably. so cool, man. Like, like Walmart I saw that shareholders. He, he debuted his smartwatch at um, the Salesforce like corporate conference, which is funny enough, but that's way better, dude. He like, yeah, he has this line of headphones called Buttons that are basically a ripoff of Beats. And in the last Black Eyed Peas album, which came out in 2018, minus Fergie, uh, to little fanfare, he's actually wearing his own headphones in, like, the drawing. It's like a like a vectoral uh, drawing. And what and makes it even just, better ugh. is it's supposed to be a political album loosely inspired by their own graphic novel that they put out right before they released the album. And it's really funny to make a political album where the most visible thing on the album cover is you wearing your own weird brand of earbuds. Masters of the Sun is a comic book series created by members of the Black Eyed Peas. So it's like, sort of like a, a hotep exploitation zombie story. Where, like, the, yeah. the main character is called Zulu X. And uh, they got a, some good people um, reading the comic on the AR app. There's, like, an app where you scan the comic and it adds effects to it. And they got Stan Lee to narrate it. They got <laughs> Jaden Smith, Jamie Foxx, Queen yeah, Snoop Latifah. Dogg. Yeah, wow. A lot of actually Co big names. Common. He is sort of the same... Um, instincts yeah. as will i am where he just if some tech company wants to get him to shill for their shit he is just down no matter what it is i think i would take issue with the wikipedia page calling this a comic book series because they released one issue i think you got to have at least two issues to be a series that's true wait a minute it was written by will i am and benjamin jackendoff his name is jackendoff <laughs> He doesn't J -A -C -K -E -N -D -O -F -F. His name is Jackendoff. I hope it's hell, like an brother? embarrassed. Oh no, I guess he is a real person. They don't have his name on the cover. Yeah, and he doesn't have a Wikipedia, but I found his Twitter from Googling him. Let's see. Yeah, he has like a thousand followers, and the first thing in his bio is that he co-wrote uh, Masters of the Sun with Will I Am. I think Will I Am mostly just likes getting press releases made about himself. He doesn't really follow through on any of these. He just 
comes up with some idea that's like ripping off a tech company or coming up with an app that does something that another app already does, and then he gets a bunch of uh, press about it, and then he doesn't do it. That's why he's like the next level of grifter from someone like Joe Perry, though, because at least Will I Am has the gall to be on his own album cover, like hawking his stupid bullshit. Like Joe Perry isn't on like an Aerosmith album cover holding the hot sauce bottle right up to the camera, you know? They should do that. That would be more should, interesting than whatever Aerosmith is doing now. I Just think that's why. Just have it be all about hot sauce. Yeah, Will I Am's much, he's clearly on the next level. Joe Perry could learn a couple of things. Will I Am's biggest thing was uh, 2014, the Pulse smartwatch, which he debuted and gave a bunch of review copies out, and uh, people didn't like it. The screen is small and grainy, and the operating system is near the, neither responsive or intuitive. It feels like a Kickstarter concept pro- product that never should have made it to production. The Pulse's main pitch is that it can determine your emotion and your mood via your voice. It rewards you for being positive with different gems that display on the Pulse's screen and points that can shared. That's uh, it's in the copy. Very shameful. With other users to spread positivity. That is the so stupidest <laughs> idea of all time. Oh, man. I like the idea of trying to condition people into being positive all the time via a really shitty, like, smartwatch. That's such a vague thing, too. There's, like, no science behind it or anything. There isn't an objective measure of positivity. So you can make it whatever you want. You could just put in random numbers and have it mean you need to listen to more Black Eyed Peas. And what's especially funny is it only determines your mood from your voice. So, like, you have to just pointlessly talk to... If you want it to determine your mood, which why would you want that in the first place, you have to go out of your way to speak in order for it to decide what your mood is for you. It's so cool. That's not how you determine someone's mood. I know. That's what emotional labor is. Like, you talk to someone at, uh, at the grocery store in the checkout line, the person working there, and you ask that, you just like, hold your watch up to them and then say, hi, say something. And they're going to be like, hi, I love this. Yeah. This is great. And it's like, this person is feeling amazing. This person is feeling better than they've ever felt. And they're probably not. Yeah, exactly. You're right. It can't, like, determine context and why someone is speaking with that, like, intonation and shit. Gee, I wonder why this thing failed. This but is yeah, a stupid that- idea. The person who wrote the article described having to just say random things at your wrist for 20 seconds in order for it to be able to pick up anything. Yeah, what do you even say to it? Are you giving it commands? Or are you just talking to it? I think you're just talking so it can read, like, the tone of your voice. That's such a dumb idea. and the screenshot, it's rewarding you. It says, awesome, 80% positivity. Awesome. It's such, like, a dumb guy's idea of, like, a way to make humanity more positive and great and kind. So many of his ideas are dumb guy ideas. He actually had a show called, what was it? Planet of the Apps that was exclusively (laughs) broadcast on Apple Music in 2018, which seems crazy because people like, I think everyone was on the same page that apps had kind of been saturated by that point. Yeah, absolutely. Like there weren't, no one was going to come up with the new Twitter or like the new uh, Uber or whatever by that point. 
On each of the episodes, software makers have 60 seconds to pitch their idea in front of the advisors. Jessica Alba, Gwyneth Paltrow, Will I Am, and Gary Vaynerchuk on a slow-moving escalator for a visual idea of an elevator pitch. <laughs> That's an incredible dumb guy idea. So they're like on an el- escalator in front of the judges talking on an escalator. The Guardian found the show boring and self-indulgent, painful, a sort of vicarious embarrassment, and grating. That lasted one season. Damn. At least the name was great, though. It'll always have that. Man, one last thing from his smartwatch. It has, like, a super tiny screen, but it has a full QWERTY keyboard. So it was too small to, like, actually click the letters. So you had to, like, zoom in and click each letter, like, it was like this involved process to type. It's so cool. That would be so irritating. <laughs> Who would want to do that? So I think the next level up from Will I Am's grifter level, at least he's like kind of in the ballpark of like the type of products that succeed. But one level above him is Soldier Boy, who now has gone through a couple different rounds of just obviously illegal video game consoles where he's just like stealing intellectual property and then getting shut down immediately. He had one round of these in like 2018, I think. Um, I don't think it was ever, oh yeah, it was pulled from his online store. Um, But then in 2019, he tried to double down with a whole new round of these things. I don't think they ever sent him out. No, I'm pretty sure you're right. I think I remember hearing that uh, Jack Wagner was going to buy Brandon Wardell one, and it never came. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> that sucks. At least just mail him out. It's not that hard to make a rip-off video game console. Like, it's basically kind of like a legal doing, injunction against him. Yeah. Basically what he's doing is, if you go on Wish.com, you can find game consoles like this that are like... It looks like another system, and it just plays a, a an internal chip filled with ROMs. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just, it costs like $5 to make. And he's just taking that, I guess, and putting Soldier Game on it. Yeah, and trying to sell it for the price of like a real game system. And also saying that he has copyrighted games on it, like Tekken and Tomb Raider. <laughs> God, it's so cool. Like, so for this second round of, the, these these ones are the Soldier Box, is the new generation and, like, the first quote from him in this article begins, It's not a scam, he explained when questioned about the pricing and operating system of his home system, the Soldier Box. Oh, and this is, like, where he has, like, some real Donald Trump energy of, like, Every game on there is licensed. 800 pre-installed games, all licensed. I sold a million dollars in one day, and Nintendo approached me. They're wondering what the fuck is going on. This young black kid made a million dollars in 24 hours, and our games are on his console. We want in! <laughs> That's amazing. He's not a young black kid, though. He's probably, what, like 36? He's like 30. <laughs> How old is he now? I think he's, I would guess 29. 30. Yeah, he's like around my age. Yeah, that's, it's, he sort of has the same business impulses as Will I Am to just take products that already exist and put your name on them, but he doesn't have the connections. Yeah, to, to go through like a real official channel. So he's kind of like DIYing it with like a bunch of, other grifters who are really just using him for exposure. Yeah, I wonder what it would have looked like if he had to ship it out. They should have at least waited until he shipped it out to do the cease and desist. Because I wonder if it actually played Nintendo games. 
or if it was one of those things that like it looks like a Wii and then you turn it on and it's like bubble bobble for NES. Yeah, I'm very curious too. There's 800 licensed games, but Nintendo didn't know about it either, according to his quote. Then they're not licensed. They have to be approved (laughs) by Nintendo. But it gets better where he was asked whether Fortnite would be playable on the Soldier Box. And he said, yes, we're working on it. Not this one. On the next one, you can. And then Epic like immediately put out a statement saying, no, you can't play Fortnite on, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. They shut him down. The handheld is said to play Switch, 3DS, Vita, Neo Geo, Game Boy Color, Game Boy GBA games with 3,000 built in. So he's just doing copyright <laughs> infringement. He can't keep the number of games straight either. In the Soldier Boy game console. I wonder, can you buy a Soldier Box or did it get shut down already too? I don't think you can buy any of it. The Soldier Box, it just says, supports PS1, arcade game, GBA, Sega, NES, Game Boy Color, Sega Master System. So it's like, uh, it looks like an Xbox. You plug it into your TV and then you're playing, at best, PS1 games. (laughs) Who would even want that? Just playing uh, Metal Gear Solid 1 ROM. I wonder if it even comes with a controller. I found someone on eBay who claims they're selling they're selling Soldier Boy's sold out console Soldier game, new built in eight hundred games limited, but the screenshot of it on here is a completely different one than I what I saw from Soldier Boy. I think someone managed to get it. The Soldier game console it actually uses the RCA red yellow white plugs. It doesn't even do HDMI. This one claims it has a 4K Ultra HD. Yeah, it's a, this one on eBay says it comes with an HDMI cable. I'm glad someone at least got it. There were a pair of drop-shipped models from Chinese manufacturer Ann Burnick. Okay. So you can just buy these on Amazon. You can. It's like a hundred bucks. Preload 1,000 games. Built-in classic games. Yeah, it's the same thing. PS1, Neo Geo Pocket. Man, God but bless Soldier Boy really... for just trying to insert himself in the middle of that. It's like the same price as a 3DS, basically. But at Jeez. best, you're playing, uh, you're playing PS1 games. They probably don't work in the emulator. So, so far, we've just been talking about, like, consumer goods. But, like, you know, the real money lies beyond consumer goods i think um a pretty novel i wouldn't i don't even think i'd call this a grift it's just a really stupid like capitalist idea that didn't even pan out because it's way too stupid of an idea but that band rednecks um that had the cotton eye joe song uh in like you know the 90s they tried to franchise their band uh, to anyone who wants to just be them and perform shows in a specific region, have non-exclusive access to perform in the region, <laughs> their esteemed catalog. Um, and they managed to have one franchise that happened in New Zealand, so I guess it kind of worked. That happened with the zombies in the 60s, where I think after they broke up, there was a band that the record label paid to be the zombies and do a an American tour. Oh, funny! Yeah, they own the catalog, so it's like, why not? Yeah, I didn't know that. 
But I don't know if anyone would do that with rednecks. I don't know if anyone would show up. I don't know. It was tried in New Zealand, but I couldn't find anything about, like, how that worked out for those New Zealanders who did it. But They probably did one show. Yeah, totally. Also, like, that song was from the 90s, and they did the franchising thing in, the tw- in 2012. So it was already, like, a good 15 years old at the time. Yeah, that song sounds insanely dated. Do they even play that at school dances anymore? I would hope not. Apparently it was played at the 2010 Winter Olympics. That shit is whack. Yeah, that shit sucks, dude. But um, in terms of more successful, big picture, entrepreneurial stuff, I think an all-time classic is Pitbull opening a charter school in Miami. Uh, He opened it in 2013. To be fair, at this point, he's basically just like the brand ambassador and it's not like he makes any actual decisions, but it's just as shady as you would expect any like for-profit school to be. Um, Where they had some kind of controversy where, let me see if I can actually find the quote here. It's associated with Betsy DeVos. Yeah, well, I think she just went there to do, like, photo ops and talk about, like, what a great, uh, you know, what an exemplary program it is, even though the state of Florida, this is Florida, mind you, and the state of Florida consistently gives it a C rating. Um, It partnered with a for-profit education services provider called Academica, um, which is one of the biggest for-profit charter management companies in Florida, and that company... Sorry, let me find the quote here. Slam, which opened in 2013, primarily serves low-income students of color. It aims to take advantage of kids' interest in athletics to show them there are other sports industry careers besides playing on a team. Staying in school and going to college is a great way to stay involved in sports management. I like that they use the phrase, take advantage. I know. (laughs) But sorry, here's what I was looking for Uh, with that Academica company. The Miami Herald did an investigation where they found that the CEO was renting space in his real estate holdings at unusually high prices to some of the schools that they were supporting. It's funny how low they're shooting. Like, usually the line is, like Obama used to say, like, you don't just have to be a basketball player or a rapper. You could be a doctor or a scientist. And they're just saying, like, you don't have to be a basketball player, but you could, uh, you could help refill the water for the basketball team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, such a low bar. I just love uh, the whole for-profit education industry is so cool of, like, this is exactly what Republicans' dream is and what so many Democrats, like, will passively be okay with of just, like using your own like selling your own or you know renting your own properties to the school system at crazy prices is so cool in any like moderately reasonable society all this shit would just be illegal it's moving along kids are making progress is it a top performing school no but i think there are aspirations to get it there is that bessie devos no that's uh was that her i think that might have been bessie devos I think so. I read that that's, one earlier. That's a great excuse. They want to be good. Look, is it bad? Yes. But I wish it was good. So, so I think I deserve a, credit. Um, a 2013 uh, NPR article when Pitbull first announced the Slam Charter School. 
Um, actually, this is also a very Trump energy of him of when he was announcing it. He's like, they're already calling me Mr. Education. Um, are they? Apparently they are. And then he said about the school, a lot of these kids are so creative, but no one believes in them. No one motivates them or no one motives them. Pitbull says, I relate to them, but then I give it to them raw. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. Pitbull, no. In that article, they had um, sort of like a pro-con thing from a couple sources. Uh, this woman who works for the Miami-Dade County Public School Board was like, uh, how does this translate into academic achievement? That's the difficult part of this that parents don't understand. I think it's a marketing ploy. You know, good for her. Then the pro statement was, um, charters do benefit from celebrities because public schools, they do have to market themselves to families because these schools are schools of choice. I love that mentality of, you know, these charter schools got to market themselves. They're schools of choice. The other thing I really liked, this is kind of like tangential to the actual school, but Forbes wrote this really fucking awful story about it that's just so poorly written it's really good the worst website on the internet probably the second graph they have of this people article? write for free do they yeah it's like that makes sense this is like this person is not a writer whoever wrote this because the first paragraph talks about what the charter school is and that Bessie DeVos came there. Then the second paragraph is, in 2003, his song Oye was included on the soundtrack to Too Fast, Too Furious. And it just says random songs of his. Then it shifts back to the school. That's so weird. Yeah, then, I think uh, I could probably publish something on Forbes right now if I wanted to for free. We, should, we probably should do that, dude. What a shitty website. Didn't the guy who founded that try to run for president in, like, 2004? Oh, I wouldn't doubt it, but I don't know. Or, like, 2000? Yeah, editor-in-chief of, uh, of Forbes. He was a candidate in the 1996 and 2000 Republican presidential primaries. He fucking lost like a dog. He's a loser. <laughs> Wait, here's the very best part of that article. Described in... Oh, he's talking about um, Pitbull's lyrics. Described in some cases as pornographic, they songs include the types of themes one might not expect to be tolerated in schools teeming with impressionable young people. His chart-topping song Timber, for instance, includes phrases about bras, thongs, shaking it, booty, b dash 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 and body parts. Body parts? Oh no. Well, that can mean anything. <laughs> I'm too puritanical for songs that mention, you know, fingers or faces or anything. The Cure's The Head on the Door, that's a little bit too salacious for me. Oh, and the, actually the slam charter schools, just like any other kind of like entrepreneur dipshit, their plan was to open like, like we're going to open five schools in the first year. We're going to expand to Arizona and Baltimore and all these other places. And, you know, like I don't think any of that shit actually happened. The thing about sending Pitbull to Alaska is on his wiki article. That's cool. Oh, you know, that's actually a really interesting story. That was done by, um, what's his face from something awful? Uh, David, David Thorpe. Thorpe. Yeah. Um, David Thorpe actually wrote a really fantastic article about the experience where Pitbull kind of made him eat shit. Where, like, I guess the full story is that Pitbull had the contest where he was going to perform at, I think, a Walmart, right? Yeah, any Walmart in the U.S. Yeah, which everyone got the most votes. So then because David Thorpe has a big following from something awful, 
he just got everyone to vote for the most remote uh, Walmart in the country. Then, and then Pitbull like kept to his obligation and actually did it. But Pitbull, Pitbull got like the upper hand because he invited David Thorpe to the concert and then basically just made him eat shit by like being the nicest guy on earth and being like, I'm just here for the fans. And like, I, you know, I don't really care where I'm at. I just came here to do it. And he made David Thorpe just have to kind of like be there in this awkward situation and sort of admit to himself and look inside himself of like, damn, I guess this was kind of pointless to pull this prank on him. Yeah. When he's been nothing but nice to me. I think that's a good, uh, that's a good ending to that. That like, um, yeah, people should look up David Thorpe's article about it though. Cause it was very like earnest. That was like the, uh, smash mouth, smash mouth egg thing, which was kind of the precursor to that. What's that story? You don't remember the smash mouth egg thing. It was, uh, John Hendren yeah. who was, I guess was involved with the Pitbull thing too. Uh, fart on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. He um got a hashtag trending or something, or kept pestering the guy from Smash Mouth to eat twenty four eggs for charity. And eventually, he <laughs> gave in because they raised like ten thousand dollars for St. Jude's or something. And uh-huh. then they uh they set it up in L. A. And then Guy Fieri invited himself, and started cooking the eggs. And and they had John Hendren there who like created it, and they sort of clowned on him at the event and he was just sort of standing around on his phone awkwardly, but it was, oh, wow. uh, yeah, it that, raised a bunch of money. It really for is charity. the same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it ends up being a joke on everybody. Everybody kind of loses a little face. Yeah. When, I respect when you're creating those a situation for, like that. for like flipping it back around, you know, the only thing that I can think of that is beyond the whole charter school thing though, is this new story this week about Akon officially getting this sanctioned from the Senegal government to open Akon City, a five-minute drive from the capital of Senegal. And it's going to run on his own cryptocurrency called Acoin, which I'm actually really curious like what the more specific details of this agreement are because it's like, would did Senegal really like allow their own currency to not be accepted in his city? Like, is it... I, I'm curious about like what kind of freedom he has to just operate autonomous. Is this like an autonomous zone or is it just a city? You know what I mean? I don't know. They probably have a lot of free land that they're just willing to give out. Yeah. It said it's a 2000 acre plot. So it's like, you know, 0% of the actual size of the country. Like it's not much, but it's, it's like a utopian project by like someone who has no right to try this kind of thing. Yeah. Like this is like every libertarian's fantasy. Like how did uh, Akon pull this off before like Peter Thiel pulled this off? It's probably good for Senegal. It's like, even if it's um, a total disaster, there's still going to be people flying in and out. They're going to be people buying stuff. There's going to be lots of economic activity. And then when you have to tear it down after it explodes, that's also jobs to clean it up so it's some sort of stimulus to the economy either way yeah to some it's definitely like they're hoping it turns into like a tourist trap but either way they've already gotten the press off of it which is like good for a small country i guess but what's funny is like the sort of press release version of it is that oh uh the economy will run on acoin it will be uh, phased in over 10 years but then you hear acon himself talk about it and his quote is, um, 
if it works, we will scale it out to all other countries in Africa so all the cities are connected. It's going to be a 50 to 100 year project, most likely. I probably won't even live to see it finished. But for the project in Senegal, we have a 10 year deadline for that city to be built out. Man. He also has uh, diamond mines. Yeah, he owns a diamond mine in South Africa. He denies Um, the existence of blood diamonds, saying, I don't believe in conflict diamonds. That's just a movie. Think about it. Nobody cared or nobody thought or cared about conflict diamonds until blood diamond was released. (laughs) That's uh, that's kind of like when people used to say no one cared about slavery until Uncle Tom's cabin came out. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Like it's it's still a problem even though <laughs> Nobody even if cared no one even, even the people afflicted by it didn't care about it until this one thing I know about. Yeah, those kids didn't notice they got their hands cut off <laughs> until they heard about the movie and then they were like, "Damn." Akon's uh like life story is amazing cuz it's supposed to be like he uh he sinned and then he went to he went to prison and then he came out like a better man. In that, but he didn't really. He was like, came to America, stole a bunch of cars, spent four years in prison. Then he got out, and then he, he was actually. Um, I learned today from looking at this stuff. He was actually born in St. Louis. I didn't know that. So he was born here. I think he kind of like flew between um, the U.S. and Senegal. Yeah, he spent a significant part of his childhood in Senegal. But yeah, he got out of prison, and then he he humped that fifteen-year-old girl on stage. Yeah. And then he like picked up that kid and like whipped him into the crowd. And now he's uh he uh went back to Africa and opened a blood diamond mine. <laughs> so and like Yeah, all the bad things he did happened after the prison sentence. Yeah, but he's I done the worst that shit after he that. really made his money by signing um Lady Gaga and T Pain. Like he got some percentage of that, and that's clearly like worth way more than his own discography you know damn i didn't realize that yeah me neither well good for him but yeah on his diamond mine after he had denied that blood diamonds even exist he walked it back to say that oh they do exist but not at my mine yeah i'm sure he has a lot of uh, personal involvement in the management of that mine and he's not just giving someone money and like collecting checks it has no idea what they're doing to get the diamonds out of the kids. Yeah. <laughs> you have he no actually, way of knowing. He discovered it himself with a pickaxe. He was just out there day and night toiling, trying to strike, you know, the big one. He's a prospector. Mm-hmm. Uh, another good fun fact with him, uh, Guinness Book of World Records uh, listed him as the number one selling artist for ringtones in the world. That's a great superlative because it's like no one's ever going to Top that. Yeah, you'd have to go back to like 2008 if you want to change history on that. It's like selling the most 78 yeah. <laughs> records of all time. No one's going to top that. You would have to put in a lot of effort. You would have to buy a lot of like burner phones, boost mobile phones, and then purchase ringtones. The most um, downloads of 128 kbps mp3s. The most downloads yeah. of DRM mp3s. <laughs> I haven't really thought about DRM in a long time where in a way it's good that that's basically a relic, but it actually got worse because with things like Spotify, you just never own anything ever, you know? There was that time when I think Sony put a bunch of rootkits on their CDs 
So if you put it in the computer, there was some sort of program that would like covertly install itself on your computer to prevent you ripping the CD. <laughs> but then it also opened like an avenue for like spyware to get into your computer. Like it left a, a huge yeah. security flaw. There was a lawsuit around that. And it's amazing to think like how much money they spent and how much they risked and how much like legal jeopardy they put themselves in to keep people from ripping a thing like, that they already a bought. Corn yeah. Album. <laughs> yeah, like in yeah. Windows Media Player. Like ripping the CD isn't even really the problem. That's why that's weird because like one person puts it on LimeWire and it's on LimeWire. It doesn't matter if a second person rips yeah, the exactly. CD. And there's a way to bypass it. So you could just like put it in a CD player and then connect the output of that to the input of your computer and yeah, record exactly. it from there's, the CD. It was always going to get on there anyway. It just spoke to how like industry people didn't understand what the fuck was happening to them at the time. And they were just like losing it, trying to figure out what the world was anymore. I miss mm-hmm. those years of confusion. Now it's all very stable. Like there's a, there's still like tension about Spotify and stuff and how much artists get paid, but it's mostly been like solidified for the past eight, nine, ten years. Like there are these streaming services and that's how yeah. most people listen to music. And like DRM is taken off of MP3s if you buy MP3s. It's not proprietary. But for a while there it was like, there were so many competing music services, these competing like ways of getting music, the DRM that was on everything. So you would have like M, M4P tracks that you would download from iTunes and then they would only work on your computer and you could like authorize yeah, yeah. another computer with your iTunes to listen yeah. to that MP3. Exactly. It's like, dude. who cares? Um, that, this reminds me of, there was like a really great, New Yorker article, maybe like, I don't know, five years ago or something that talked about um, the very first step of the culture of leaking albums. Where like, obviously when I was that age in like 2007 and whatever, when all those albums, like, you know, every major album was leaking like months early, you know, like I, I was on like Oink and, you know, what CD and all that type of stuff as all that happened. But the very initial step of like the people who'd be the first to leak the album, it was like a really interesting, like, fascinating well thought out process where it was people who worked in the cd pressing plants um where like you would have like either like i don't I don't know if like it was like a manager or whoever but whoever was sort of like overseeing the floor would kind of be working with someone to like sneak it out of the facility and they, they had to like get around all these different kind of like precautions to stop people from leaking it like i can't really like do it justice but it's really interesting just like the pressure you saw online to be the first one to leak it actually like existed in the CD pressing plants to like be the guys to do it, you know? That's amazing. And exactly. Everyone, no one cares like anymore. Like, that was the, the whole thing. thing back then. It was like, you wanted to hear the record before it came out. You listened to it a bunch. And then by the release date, it was already kind of like over. Yeah. Like you're risking so much for like, when you steal the CD and you're the guy that leaks it, you're a hero. Yeah, and what's funny is, like, yeah, it it seems like a clout thing, but not really because all this shit was happening on IRC. It wasn't like, this was still like pre-social media, really. I mean, like Facebook existed, I guess, but you weren't like, you didn't like have anything to gain by it publicly. It was just your own little community in IRC of people who were leaking albums being like, damn, that group leaked this one before we did. And what like, it was like a competition between 
leaking groups, you know? Didn't Kid A get leaked? That was like the first big yeah. album to get leaked on um, social media, I think. And people, yeah, I remember that. It was like being downloaded kind of like track by track and stuff, which is not really good for that album. And then I think for Hail to the Thief, I'm pretty sure that like unfinished versions of those songs got leaked and they were actually like pretty dismayed about it as a band. It's good that they didn't like pitch too much of a fit about it though. I remember when Brand New got stuff released for The Devil and God. They had stuff leaked. Yeah. Like yeah. demos for the album. They were all distraught about it and like uh changed the track list of the of the final record to reflect that. It's like Exactly. You, like yeah. you're letting didn't them they win. also you're letting them you're letting the leakers have over like your final album, yeah. say over and the also track didn't list. like 10 years later they just released the demos anyway i think they did another one like that with radiohead is like more recently when those okay computer just like the mini discs were hacked or i guess stolen or you know whatever the full story was there then they just released them all themselves for charity for like extinction rebellion or whatever but artists now know how to do that of like, oh, if something leaks, whatever, just throw it on there and donate the money or make a little money or something. Does stuff really leak anymore even? Nah, I guess, mm, yeah, it does here and there. It seems like album releases have become so inconsequential that Certainly there isn't even really a point. Like, there's been, in the last year, there's been like a Beyonce album that got like no press and like... It seems like there was like a Nicki Minaj album that just disappeared instantly. Like there are all these albums from, there was the Taylor Swift I think album. You're, like you're right that in terms of album releases, no one really like preempts them anymore by leaking them. But there's definitely like leaks of either unfinished songs or like singles that happen. Because there's also a culture of trying to like leak an artist's song before them onto Spotify to reap all the revenue from it. So like... You How just you like do slightly that? misspell what the thing is actually supposed to be, but then hope that it gets enough traction to be like the one everyone's listening to because it hasn't been released, you know? Don't they check that though? They do, but they're not as rigorous as you think. Like, that's weird because to get our shit on there for our. But that's, um, that's why they misspell it though, because by misspelling like the main artist's name, then it'll get around it. Whereas when we did the one, um, like the album of all like the one minute songs we put so many direct artist names in it that it kept it was like getting flagged by an algorithm again and again and we couldn't get it through yeah i guess you have to be yeah. skilled to get but i think that's that. part of the art of it but wouldn't there be like i respect that if they're able to do that if they're able to like get the payout from spotify yeah that's the goal because you have to wait for them to send you money yeah. there's like a delay so like if they find out that the song is uh one letter off from a famous song that came out and you leaked it. Like, I don't know if you're going to be able to have them send you a check. This is something we should look into more and just do an episode on it. Yeah, we should try to do this. We should, um, we should hit up someone in a CD pressing plant and try to yeah, preempt yeah. the new Taylor Swift single and then upload it to Spotify as Taylor <laughs> Swift and then get uh, sued into the stone age. Yeah. Before we end here, I kind of want to circle back to Akon just a little bit more. I think, just because there are so many good quotes from him about Akon City. Oh, yeah. I want to hear all the um, all the promo copies. Like, about in that. the interview he was giving about it, he was just like, a lot of people don't really know, but I'm literally advising 30 African presidents as we speak. 
uh, Akon said, receiving a wealth of applause from the audience. He has this also like, you know, like I've kept saying throughout this thing, there's so much like Donald Trump-esque energy to this stuff of uh, he's talking about it's all based on the youth, the development of the youth and things of that nature. I'm everywhere in the world dealing with politics. So my foreign experience is through the roof. Yeah, Donald Trump is sort of in the same wheelhouse as like aspiring rapper entrepreneurs, which is why he used to get name dropped all the time, because he has that same sort of like ethos of you just need to make money. It doesn't matter if people say it's illegitimate or whatever. You've got the money. Who cares? You're the one with the money. In like also Donald Trump's um, his need to do business in like uh, failed states, like he has to get his shit done in like Kazakhstan. Oh or yeah, wherever. yeah. Like Azerbaijan is a big one where he did the uh, hotel with the IRGC, which is especially funny now that he's declared them a terrorist group. Well, he's able yeah. to learn and grow, <laughs> and I think that's respectable. It's true that like Donald Trump does have more in common with like a soldier boy than he does with you know like. Jay-Z even is just, like, too professionalized, and everything Jay-Z does is boring, right? Like, he makes, like, a vodka that is something that people have actually heard of, you know? He works with, like, kind of above-board people making very boring mainstream type of deals. He's, like, just a normal businessman. Someone like Soldier Boy comes with that Donald Trump energy of... I'm just going to grift my way to like this thing that's not even, this product's not even going to get released, but it gets my name out there and that's good enough, you know? Yeah. Donald Trump had so many of those things that were like basically the soldier game console, like Trump stakes. I don't think anyone yeah, ever exactly. got a Trump stake. Like Trump yeah, university was that big scam. How about soldier university? Oh shit, dude. You're totally right. We need to have him he on. He teaches here. you how to make fruity loops. Ooh, so, okay, they made that fucking show in 2018 with Will I Am, like you were talking about, pitching apps. We should have a show where we just pitch Soldier Boy ideas, like business ideas for him, like Soldier University. That would be great, dude. That would be great. A Soldier computer, a Soldier car, Soldier house. It's a house that we, uh, we don't build and you never get to live in it, but you still yeah. pay us the money. <laughs> And there's 100% profit, zero margins on it, because we never actually deliver the product. And that's how you're going to make money for shareholders. And the XFL is coming back, so you can tell the market for pro football leagues is expanding again. There should be a soldier league. Yeah, soldier league. We don't have to pay any players. We don't have to build any stadiums, because we're never actually going to do anything. We're just going to take the money. But you could be a part of history by buying into a part of a team. Actually, even that's too much work. He should just say that he's going to ship you a jersey and just never ship him. Done. Yeah, he should, like, uh, take it back a few steps and sell fake jerseys. That's, like, a cool uh, Facebook Percocet guy thing to do. To be like, yo, I got jerseys <laughs> for half price. Official NFL jerseys that I just received in a big bulk box in the mail that's from like a Chinese company. That's like an MLM company. for dudes. Like, every MLM these days is just, like, you know, fucking... Uh, like health products and Lululemon type of shit, or what's the, I guess Lululemon's not an MLM. What's the one that is? Um, Lularoe. Lularoe, yeah. Everything's like aimed at women. We need dudes MLMs that are just like here's these off-brand Chinese jerseys and whatever. That would be great. Yeah, an MLM. We need more dude MLMs, like selling a cool, uh, cool shit to put on the back of your Honda Civic. Totally. 
Soldier Boy would be the perfect voice for all those, too. So at the end of the day with uh, Akon starting Akon City, I don't even think it's that weird of an idea at this point. I'm more surprised, like I said, that some libertarian didn't beat him to this fantasy. There's something about the sort of people who live in Senegal that I think is undesirable for libertarians. I'm not sure what it is. I wonder what it is. I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. I think in this day and age, making, you know, I want to fuck you and smack that is enough of a background to start a city. And it's actually like less crazy than our country being governed by like a WWE Hall of Famer who did Big Mac commercials with the Grimace. So I say let Akon have his city, you know? I would probably trust Akon as president more than Donald Trump. He, or Soldier Boy. He actually did claim that he's thinking about running for president in 2020. Do it, man. Do it. There was already a, a, a president of African descent. His father was from Africa. And he won, so there's a 100%, 100% chance yeah, you president. can win. Yeah. Cool. Well, I hope everyone got some business ideas uh, from listening to this. You know, if you want to start an MLM for dudes, I say go for it. We're starting a, a charter school in Sudan that uh, sells fake game consoles to the kids and also Sammy Hagar tequila. Yeah, and we have a sister charter school in Miami right now, but we're probably going to open about 400 more charter schools in America this year. Keep an eye out. We got big things coming, uh, jerseys, T-shirts, the whole works. So, you know, you're going to want to like and subscribe. Keep an eye out for this We're selling... Football jerseys for players you haven't even heard of yet because they're not even in the (laughs) league yet. They haven't even been born yet. But I bet you these names I put on the jerseys. Yeah, you remember? These are going to be quarterbacks. I remember a time back in the day when you would want to wear the jersey of the player you liked. But those kind of players, you know, they're kind of old. The players that are playing in the league right now, everyone knows about them. These players you haven't heard of yet, that's the jersey you want to be wearing before anyone's heard of them. You've never heard of Tudley Durbin? Well, guess what? He's going to be quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2038. You're not wearing his jersey so yet? You better get ooh, your jersey ooh, now. Ooh, kind of behind the times on that, huh? Yeah, he's going to be pissed when he found out you weren't his fan from the beginning. We're signing babies that look athletic to 360 deals. We're forcing babies to exercise. We're sending babies to Senegal. Yeah, these babies are training... For the NFL in Acon City using Acoin. We're planting one Acoin in each of their. We're giving them uh, checking accounts. We're putting one Acoin in each. We're expecting that to be worth like $10 million by the time they turn 18. Selling babies usually is the logical endpoint of libertarianism. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, dude. You've got your own city in the desert. You've got the cryptocurrency. You've got no laws. You're just going to have a, a flea market for babies. Who's to say what's right or wrong besides the market, which determines morality for some reason? If it makes money, it makes money. So on a completely unrelated note, me and our friend Kurt just finished a song. You know, he was on an episode of this show before. He's got a project called Ice Choir. He used to play drums in The Pains of Being Pure at Heart. Uh, Me and him just finished this song called What Goes Wrong, so we'll just play us out with that.